With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Hey, broads. Hi, broads. I Happy like Thursday. Yes. Yes. I feel I was thinking we always say hey, broads. I feel like it probably sounds the same. Should we keep it that or should we start mixing it up when we when we what's after going the intro the plays? Fuck <laughs> on, broads? What's chatting? <laughs> so Just cheesy. like super aggressive every time. It's like, <laughs> wow, I thought that this podcast was like very warming. And broads like, up. <laughs> Let's get chatty. <laughs> I just get one of those the, the vuvuzelias like the what if we just start wah, doing wah, wah. yeah like we start doing radio dj where we can hit the things like wah, 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 wah. there was a podcast that i listened to the other day i forget the name of it i i never really listened to it before and it was extremely like sound effect heavy so many sound effects and i was getting so stressed out driving i almost crashed my car and so i was like i tend to like the more low-key see i do i do listen to some radio like in the morning stuff and they always do that stuff it's kind of fun, but it's definitely I mean, a different vibe. It does vibe. wake you up. I'm like raving in my go. car on the way to work. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like hitting those do, sound effects. I'm going to do a little X on the way to work. <laughs> just get a little weird. Um, hey, well, today is actually kind of exciting for me because I have. Yeah, do share. I have our guest here. This is like some OG business. This is like a very, very old friend of mine. Oh, gee. It's Jenna Rainey. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people who might follow me on Instagram, I know that we have a lot of mutual followers. Um, mutual friends, for sure. M- mutual friends, for what's sure. Your, what's your Instagram, Jenna? Jenna Rainey. Rainey. Just the name. Like rain, but like rain. Rainey with an E. So. Oh, found it. Really you want to hear something funny? Is her maiden name was Fawcett, Fawcett, and then she married a Rainey. Water themed. Interesting. Very water themed. Okay. Very water themed. But you are not water, you are air. Sign. Yes. Gemini Queen. Gemini, Aquarius, Libra. Libra. And then our daughters are Aquarius. So our daughters mm-hmm. are only a week apart. Or son, a son. Uh, children are only a week apart. Yes. Crazy. So Jenna and I, I've known Jenna since we were eighth grade. Eighth grade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh shit. OG. Oh yeah. No, this is this is and old. I, yeah. And we hated each other. We did hate each mm-hmm. other. In and junior then, high? Yes. In eighth grade and then in high school. We went to a summer camp and bonded over Johnny Depp, was it? I think so. Pirates of the Caribbean specifically, Mm -hmm. or was it just in general? And then there was Benny and June. Benny and June. We had a a ferocious love for Johnny Depp. Very turned on by him. That is such a real... I I actually have a friend specifically in sixth grade. We hated each other. She did not like me at all. And then we went Mm -hmm. to camp. And that's how we became bonding. It it brings people together. (laughs) It really really does. If anyone ever has a problem with you, just go to camp with them. Go to summer camp. Yeah, you guys will figure it out. You'll work it out. Sing some sing some nice music and Mm -hmm. uh, worship songs. Sing some worship songs. Make some little lanyards. Flirt with some people. 
The flirting's so real. wreck in the mud. Mm-hmm. Selfishly, I'm going to ask, what camp did you guys go to? Even though Hume Lake. Hume Lake. Oh, Hume. <laughs> that was actually so close to where I grew up because I'm from Fresno. So it was only oh, like an yeah. hour and a half away. So that's where Super everyone close. went. Oh, yeah, Hume, was was, Hume was... Hume was it. And it was. Hume was full like packed full of hottie counselors so hot so hot so it was just like we'd show up and i remember being literally 15 and you think you're so hot and you're like flirting (sighs) with someone who's substantially older than you and they're like freaked out like please don't flirt with me you're gonna get even worse they're like kind of flirting back (laughs) because they're like 18 that would happen and you were like 14 year old yeah (laughs) problematic i was not a hot Dude, junior high. It was rough. rough. We both went through our stages, man. Yeah, but you had like your you were Avril Lavigne, so we didn't like each other mm-hmm. because in school she was very much like Avril Lavigne, uh-huh. kind of punk, didn't like anybody, and I was just like, I'm gonna kiss every teacher's ass, and I'm blonde <laughs> and perfect. Too. I was such a goody two shoes. It was so obnoxious. Mm-hmm. I was kind of too. Like I, I was, the, I was the know-it-all for sure. I was like, I've got. I'm still like that in college now. I'm in. I'm at UC Irvine right now, trying to finish my degree, and I'm still like. Do you sit in the very front? Hell yeah! Yeah, so do I. I love sitting Hell in the front. Hell yeah! Row. You know what? <laughs> Take advantage of your education. Why are you gonna like waste time and just kick it in the back and not engage? Get that was me. Yeah, wasted <laughs> so much time, and also just in college, no appearance. Just. <laughs> Oh yeah, just always ditched every single. Well, class. I talk about that a lot. My first couple of years of college are like that because you're just like you've been through how many years of school right, so you're far. Over it. You're, you're like a break. Spent. Well, and also that was me in elementary school. Then high school, I'm like, okay, how how little class can you go to and still get a good GPA? Yeah. That was that was we the, did we the ended challenge up doing that in high school. Yeah, that was yes, we definitely especially ditched senior a lot. year. Ugh, I feel like that's gosh, pretty common. Senioritis, all that. Yeah. But but so Jenna and I hated each other, and then we became like best best friends Mm -hmm. and all the way through high school and um dated like best friends she used to Uh date evan's best friend Mm -hmm. when evan and i were dating and then we rick james rick james (laughs) i brought up andrew in the last episode (laughs) um and then i'm talking then through college she went to a different school than i did but you know since then it was crazy and then our husbands became best friends and it's Mm -hmm. just been lifelong but one of the things that i was part of to witness was jenna's journey to the top (laughs) but journey to success journey to success and that was one of the biggest reasons yeah that i wanted to have you on do you mind doing like a little bio and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty yeah so great og backstory all the things um but yeah for probably the past seven or eight years um i've been building my creative business I am a watercolorist designer and I teach other creatives how to build and scale their businesses. Um, along the years, I've done everything from wedding stationery and just any means of making a dollar to mm. like an Etsy shop and all of that. And then to now I teach a lot of online classes and I do cool. licensing with products and work with manufacturers on mostly office supply products. Very and, cool. Yeah. So we've got like a definitely a, uh, a, starting from zero Mm -hmm. situation and then jenna built this like crazy business and i want to talk about how it all started like og style um but before we get into that um well here we are all of us sitting together and we have one thing in common really it's boobs yes we do but our boobs are all different shapes and sizes no two are alike and for mine not one is alike they are both very different <laughs> but not a lot of bra companies understand that they want to squeeze all of our boobs into like four sizes but 
there is one amazing bra company, one bra company that really understands how different all of our breasts are, and that company is Third Love. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. Third Love offers more than 80 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes, which I love. And it's so simple to find your perfect fit. You just go online and take their quiz. It easily finds your size, order, and you can, oh, it easily finds your size, you order, and then you try it on at home and no more awkward fitting room experiences. Mm -hmm. So that's plus. Yeah. And you may say, hey, how does an online quiz find my exact size? Will it arrive and not fit? Listen, I can't speak for everyone, but all I can say is that Third Love uses some sort of magic in this quiz or like sorcery because when those bras show up for me and all my friends who have had this experience, they always fit perfectly. It's really wild. Um, And they are the most comfy bras I've ever ever owned by a mile but if it doesn't fit for some reason every customer has 60 days to wear it wash it and put it to the test and if you don't love it return it and third level wash it and donate it to a woman in need uh, also third love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit and their fit stylists are available every day to help via text chat or phone they really do care at third love third love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone so right now they're offering our listeners 15 percent off your first order go to thirdlove.com slash chatty now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your purchase your first purchase that's thirdlove.com slash chatty for 15% off today okay so one of the biggest reasons why when I was chatting with Becca about wanting to have you on is I know that a lot of people who listen to the show will message us and be like I want to start this business or oh yes whether it's a podcast yeah or some sort of business but it's so many people who are kind of like I don't know where to start. I'm scared mm-hmm. to start. Scared to fail. Yeah, mm-hmm. Scared to fail. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I thought you'd be such a perfect fit to come on, kind of explain how it started and like your progression, maybe kind of the journey through. I'm also just curious, like how old you were when you mm-hmm. started mm-hmm. and maybe like yeah. a little background about like going to college, marriage, that kind of thing. too. So things. Just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's get into this it. Is fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I started my business when I was ripe age of 23 um and at the time did you feel like you were like starting a business or not really I mean I honestly don't feel like I was actually comfortable calling myself a businesswoman until the last couple years Mm. because I felt like I was just doing this hobby that um I didn't feel legitimate I guess and I I, happening to make money off yeah just happened to make Mm -hmm. money and it just kind of was an accident and Jess was there for the entire time, just seeing it because it was an accident. Truly. It was an accident. Yeah. yeah. It was so, pretty wild. Yeah. So when I was 23 or 22, John and I, my husband, John and I were living in Chicago. We met at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Um, <laughs> go archers. Is that our mascot? Arches, whatever. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So we met at Moody and in Chicago and we were sick of the winters there, sick of just living there. And I'm from southern california obviously um john is from wisconsin but we moved back to southern california because my uncle offered me a job at his financial planning office i had no experience in financial planning i just happened to need a job and he's a really really generous man especially especially with me and um i was waiting tables at a bar before that and so he offered me the job as like his admin assistant and when we were moving from chicago back home to southern california we used allied moving truck company. Um, and there was a bunch of boxes obviously that got dropped off to our apartment. Once we found an apartment, 
and a box of someone's art supplies was mixed in with all of our boxes and it didn't have anybody's name on it. It was Uh just, whoops, (laughs) we mixed it in and they thought it was ours. Anyway, uh, nobody claimed it. I ended up using, there was calligraphy stuff in there. There was paint and brushes, really, really crappy brushes and crappy watercolor paint, but to me anyway. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, it became kind of like a mode of therapy for me because for so many years, even through high school, as Jess can attest, like I was in a weird way, really closed off and um, not comfortable in my own skin. I don't know if Jess can actually attest to this because this is something I'm still discovering as an adult. Um, But I felt like I didn't know what my purpose was. I didn't know like why I even went to Bible school, why I was a counseling major, why yeah what was your plan with I wanted to eventually become a music therapist mainly because I had a roommate that was like I want to be an art therapist and I was like huh Jenna's a fantastic pianist and singer thank you okay yeah I was curious if you had done we sang together creative with Evan yeah (laughs) the three of us used to sing together do you guys have an album you know what I was thinking about this the other day um when we were writing songs together in high school so nervous you do you do but I think it's Remember that song? So she would write the lyrics. Yeah. I would be the harmony. Yeah. I would be the piano player. <laughs> oh my gosh, what song was it? The, the I feel I, so low. Oh my gosh. Oh, there are some really yes, I do. Uh, there are some really, really, really emotional. That's an Where can we find songs? these tracks? They're definitely not recorded. They're we should record it. Anyway. We have so, so you were creative. You would like done creative stuff before, yes. though. Yes. So when I went, but creative. ever yeah, yeah, yeah. visual, visual creative work. N- I mean, I da- like dabbled. My mom was an artist, like a- as a hobby, acrylic painter, yeah. and so we'd do it from time to time, just as like a way to spend time. But Jenna, it was never. Jenna a would thing. be in class, and it was very much the student. And this is actually really encouraging to me now, having Ember as a kid, and then like seeing someone like you, because Jenna would be in class every day next to me, and would be doodling <sighs> on like hundreds of pieces of paper, hundreds. and it was just like, like in like a almost like a manic way. <laughs> There'd be like uh-huh. so many, and would get busted by the teachers constantly. Be like, you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. Which, by the way, I is pay attention. Pay. I was gonna say yeah. that's such bullshit. Yeah. Being able to like doodle and like occupy your hands while listening mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah, it's actually. No, I'm not going to say that because I'm not an expert in this at all. But I was going to say there's like studies done. I, and it's I'm, probably not even Abraham Lincoln, honestly. There's somebody <laughs> in history that was like really impressive. <laughs> really impressive who like did that. Anyway, whatever. Used to doodle. We'll Google it. <laughs> he used to doodle. So to help him. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a real thing. Listen. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, I still get called up for that. Like, not that I'm in a class taking notes ever. But Why? Because people think that you're not paying attention, but I would literally just write my name or Jessica's name or somebody that I was thinking about over and over and over again in cursive. And so it's like developing motor motor skills and connecting those motor skills to your brain and all that activity is Mm -hmm. helping you actually pay attention. Yes. But um, yeah, so did that throughout college and high school. High school, I actually also was obsessed with right eyeballs and would doodle right eyeballs over and over again got really good at right eyeballs can't do left ones um (laughs) but anyway back to the 23 year old me starting to work at my uncle's office it was about an hour hour and 15 um commute both ways to his office and um I had this box of art supplies and it was something that I felt like 
I didn't know anything about it really, but because I'd never done watercolor before. I'd never done calligraphy before, but I became obsessed with it and I wanted to learn everything about it because it was kind of, you know, when you tap into that flow state, whether mm-hmm. you're writing or mm-hmm. um, you're doing something creative where you're basically your left brain just shuts off. Yep. You don't have any sort of interruptions of like, you shouldn't do that. That's going to look terrible or yeah, you're flowing. You're, you're just flowing. Going. You're yeah fully in your right brain. And that to me was what it was for watercolor and for calligraphy when I was first starting out. Because the thing is when I was starting, which was seven, eight years ago now, was Instagram was not the beast that it is today. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't all these thousands of other people also doing the same thing that I was trying to learn, which would be so intimidating now. So the fear of not starting and like you guys are bringing up about people, you know, messaging you. And I get these messages constantly too of like, how do you just start? How do you, where do you start? And like, I'm afraid of failure Mm -hmm. and all that. I would be afraid of failure now too, because there's so much competition. There's so much, there's so many people doing what you want to do and it's intimidating. And the people that are like famous or that are Mm -hmm. big are so well established and already like through Mm -hmm. the journey. So you're seeing the other end of the journey. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the thing is about starting now is like, you're only able to access people's highlight reels. So you're only able to see, like for me, for example, if somebody's comparing their art journey or their creative business journey to me now, I'm eight years into this thing. I have got blood, sweat and tears and equity built up into the company that I've built. And with my art, endeavors and my art skills or whatever you want to call it like I have eight years of practice like literally pouring over my art table and like making mistakes and still making mistakes countless mistakes every single day and so to compare yourself you know day one or day five or 15 or whatever Mm -hmm. to somebody's like day I can't do math but eight years (laughs) worth of days is just unfair to yourself and it's it it would be incredibly crippling to I believe to start now because of how accessible it is to see how successful people are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and to see like, oh, she just, the way she blends colors or she has that opportunity. She's flying to this meeting yeah. or she's, you know, partnering with this or that brand. And it would be so crippling, but, but it's perspective at the same too. time, it's yeah. inspiring, you know, totally inspiring. And it also opens your mind to the opportunities that you have, because again, with creative, cr- anything in the creative field like anybody who's a creative musician um writer whatever you are like there's this weird stereotype around creatives that's like oh you're the star- you're going to be a starving artist mm-hmm. you're, there's no way you can scale it to x amount of dollars per year or this you know notoriety whatever it might be and the thing is now you have that access to actually your mentors your role models can be these people who are you know, sitting and eating at the table with people who are seven figures, eight figures, eight figure businesses or whatever, Mm -hmm, you know? Right. So you are, you know, (laughs) able to say to your family or your parents who, or whoever's criticizing you, like, don't get into the arts. You're going to be a starving artist or whatever. Well, like, actually. Yeah. Now there's examples mm -hmm. (laughs) that that it can be otherwise. Yeah. And even if you don't end up doing your own business, having experience, like trying that, you can end up going into marketing and advertising. You can go into digital marketing. Mm -hmm social media, Mm -hmm. advertising, like there's so many creative jobs now, graphic design. And I think about like almost everyone I know, and I'm, I'm not, I don't say this to discourage people from going to like college or whatever, because I loved college Mm -hmm. and it was a great experience, but, um, there are most everyone I know isn't doing initially what they studied to do. And I feel like your journey can be that way, but like you just have to kind of open the door in general to, yeah. 
we're, well, we're, I was going to say we're also in a generation where we have a wealth of knowledge available to us at our mm-hmm. fingertips. And mm-hmm. I do think it's unfortunate sometimes how much pressure people do get put on them to go to college, especially when they oh, are absolutely. not, especially when they're not sure what they're going to do. And mm-hmm. it's like you shouldn't be shoved into a four year university if you don't know what you're doing oh and gosh. like wasting however much money in <laughs> student feel, loans, I mean, yeah, take community yeah. college classes. You know, yeah. I know that that's so hard when you're in high school, especially I know we have high school listeners. Oh, for sure. I know that's so hard because all your friends are going off here, mm-hmm. going off mm-hmm. there and you don't want to be stuck in your little town or whatever. But if there's anything I could do, it would be to go yeah. back yeah. and dabble in community college, take mm-hmm. ceramics, right. take communications, take mm-hmm. sociology, take whatever. And the there hell are you ways for you to like get out of your town and like go away. Like you're like, you know, like, uh, some of your other friends are and not do the four year like you can sure. go somewhere like an hour away move an mm-hmm. hour away from home and like you know get a job like waiting tables yeah. or whatever go to community mm-hmm. college and you still then feel like you're having somewhat of a college experience right. because you're living elsewhere I mean I say I've learned the most about business from my waitressing jobs like I really literally like customer service and people and obviously I went to school studied psychology at a tiny tiny Christian college so it's not like I went to and have this PhD, (laughs) but like I learned the most in actually in restaurants and in like just seeing people for how nasty they can be and how to actually meet them on their level and communicate with them. And, you know, because it, you can't actually like college is great for a lot of people and I don't want to bash college or say like, don't go to college. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's something to be said about actually experiencing and getting in with people and actually learning how to communicate because Mm -hmm. that's all we do as businesswomen is we are learning how to communicate with our customers, our audience, our clients, whatever it is, if you have products or if you're an online business owner, marketer, whatever, you're just learning who your audience is and how to better serve them. Mm -hmm. And the way I learned that representing a pizza shop in downtown Chicago and that some people like it extra hot. Some people hate when you bring their martini glasses too full, whatever. Like you just, you boil it down and people all are waiting to communicate the same way, whether it's, you know, you're selling art classes or yeah, slinging yeah. pizzas. Well, and that's the other thing you talk about the classes that you teach online. And that's another point to make is that we mm-hmm. have the internet at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. We have things like Skillshare, which we advertise YouTube. Like mm-hmm. you can learn anything on the internet A on your own. Knowledge. And the only thing I, the only reason I bring up the college thing is because I had the privilege of having my parents pay for school, which I took advantage of that. It's awesome. But for so, so many people, that's not an option. Mm-hmm. You may be taking out like over a oh hundred thousand dollars in loans and it's yeah. like, maybe take a little bit of time if you have the option to to explore what you want to do via the internet via like via all these resources that are free oh yeah Mm -hmm. even what you're saying like the idea of paying for college i was extremely blessed to have my grandparents paid for my college and it's like oh my goodness how intimidating for some people feeling the pressure like they need to go to college when you're gonna have to pay out of pocket Mm -hmm. yeah um with that being said too if you do get your college paid for and were blessed like myself take advantage of Mm -hmm. internships as much as possible. Like when you're talking about getting your hands dirty, like, and getting involved, that was something that I didn't really figure out until my last year in school. Mm -hmm. And as soon as like I ended up having to take an internship for something, it was like, Oh, this is it. And I'm getting, I'm so blessed because my family's paying for it. And that was really helped me with a lot of Mm -hmm. real life experience Mm -hmm. versus, you know, maybe all the classes, but yeah. And that's the thing too, for me and Jessica knows this, but Um, for me in school, I'm not a good student at all. I've just never been a good student. And, um, 
in college especially, it was just a weird time for me. But um, internships were just same back to that same point of like getting your hands dirty and actually experiencing, Mm -hmm. you know, people. Yes. (laughs) And how to apply things that you're learning and going through in real life scenarios. And, um, for me, I'm just, I'm more of a visual, I'm not an auditory learner. There's so many different types Mm -hmm. of learners, obviously. And so, um, that was huge for me. And especially with starting my business, I feel back to your original point about getting messages about people wondering how to start or where to start and having that initial fear of like failure and putting yourself out there and being incredibly timid, intimidated. And for me, I feel like, it's a blessing and a curse because I have this thing where like I have to make mistakes in order to do something. If I don't make mistakes, I feel like there's something wrong mm. and um, I don't want to be told what to do. And Jessica probably knows this well about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a type eight on the Enneagram. I'm yeah. like, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to figure it out. I don't care yeah, if I fail yeah. or whatever. And not that I don't care if I fail. I obviously have those insecurities and like I want people to think well of me type mm-hmm. everybody sure. does. But also like starting my business at 23, there's so much chatter that I ignored from not that I had people I had incredibly supportive people around me. And that's the thing too, when you're starting, you have to cut out the people that aren't supportive um, or just ignore them for a while mm-hmm. until you get going or surround yourself with people who are going to support whatever it is you do and putting yourself out there because you are your harshest critic. And so if you don't have people around you to kind of like be your hedge fund, then you're just going to crumble. Mm-hmm. And especially with the internet these days. Um, but yeah, just getting my hands dirty in the early years of just like making the mistakes, putting myself out there. What and kind of mistakes? Oh man. I mean, we can go into so many different (laughs) areas with this, but a lot of, um, client mistakes. Mm. I handled client experience very like defensively in the early days. Like I feel like a lot of early business owners, they, um, especially in a creative field, like you get really protective of your work. And I was doing wedding stationery a lot in the early days. And so I would get really protective of my work, really hurt if somebody Mm -hmm. provided feedback that I felt like was directed at me, but it was yeah, yeah, personal. And you just, you have to remove your emotions and you have to remove, and it's really difficult, um, especially if you're just learning it this way and learning it the hard way, but like you just have to remove your, uh, emotions. And this is the same thing at the pizza shop waiting tables. When people are upset about their food and they want to send it back, you can't get upset. You can't get defensive. That's going to make the situation even worse. And so those types of mistakes I've, I mean, I've made thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of mistakes. And And, um, that has taught me to never make those mistakes again. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really grateful for the mistakes that I've made Mm -hmm. because, you know, I remember them (laughs) because they hurt financially. (laughs) They stick. (laughs) Yeah, they stick around. I'm not going to make, you know, that mistake where I set up that print file wrong and had to pay $2,000 worth of mistakes or whatever. And that's not even the most money I've had to eat, you know, like, Um, yeah. And going to small claims court type stuff over not protecting myself well in the client experience and having a good sound contract because I thought I could just get away with one that I did on my own and just like really early days, like just bootstrapping stuff that like I am grateful for at the time Mm. I was mortified. There was so much behind the scenes that I like felt like I couldn't talk about because nobody in our sphere back then really had a business. And so like 
I felt like completely, um, I just felt like I was complaining all the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I was so stressed Mm -hmm. and because I was so overwhelmed with like, I have these clients and I just feel like at any moment in time, they could just rip my reputation apart online or send me this email that, you know, Mm -hmm. causes so much stress and anxiety or whatever anyway. So those types of mistakes. And it's also so hard not to beat yourself over the head uh, when that kind of stuff happens. Like Mm -hmm. I've made really dumb mistakes over the past couple of years with like contract terms and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And like you look, it's really hard not to look back sometimes and just be like, I am an idiot. Like why, (laughs) you know, and it's like, you got to give yourself grace because you're learning as you go. And there's, and, and you know, people say ask for help, but there's a lot of things you don't know to ask for help unless you've gone until you've gone through them. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, it was, it was definitely, Definitely, like I know from the outside looking in when Jenna was first starting, that it was very much like, you know, like you were saying, you didn't let us see you sweat mm. to a certain extent because mm-hmm. you didn't want to f- like seem like you were complaining. And I would say, if you are a friend to someone who wants to start a business or is attempting to start a business or is in the middle of starting a business, like you could be the best friend ever by like asking Mm -hmm. questions and being supportive Mm -hmm. and know that like your friend is probably the proudest they've ever been, but also the most stressed they've ever been. Did Mm -hmm. you ever deal with feeling like maybe friends and family like didn't, or your community didn't necessarily take what you were doing seriously in terms of like stress and workload? Thankfully, no. Mm. Um, I feel like that's a relatively rare scenario. I feel like pretty much everyone around me and I mean, behind closed doors who knows <laughs> we were all they talking been so like, much shit <laughs> she she <laughs> thinks <laughs> doing our little watercolors <laughs> over there <laughs> doodles no i mean but okay like i don't want to interrupt but but you when you first started when she found all of that stuff in that box you started getting into calligraphy mm-hmm. and it took off in our little community. Okay, yeah. So let's, yeah, yeah. let's go. Let's so go there was a the lot of timeline. support. Let's yeah, go yeah, through yeah, the timeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 23. So I started working for my uncle. Hated the job. It was a cube atmosphere. Obviously, people, I mean, bless everyone who has the office jobs and can stay in those office jobs. We need you. Um, otherwise, our world would fall, fall apart. But I was not made for it. I just didn't thrive there. And so... I would come home and basically just paint and doodle and basically do what I did in class um, all night long, basically till three in the morning and would wake up, drive to my day job, soul suck time, and then would come home, do the same thing. Loved it. And then eventually I started posting my work on Instagram per people, maybe even you actually, John, my husband, John definitely was like, you should start posting your work on Instagram. And this was the time eight years ago. ish just started. Oh, Instagram yeah. like, was about literally two, three just years old ish. But people weren't um, but really like was doing, yeah, putting their nobody. like work on right. it at all. It wasn't like people weren't using it for businesses. Much I also remember point. like at that point it was like, if your photo had 400 likes, it would be trending. Oh, and that was like yeah. a big <laughs> oh, deal. Yes. I remember when I got into double jit, you know how it used to have the like, yeah, so and so and so and so and so and so like yes and then all of a sudden it got 11 you're just like i've made it it. oh i remember that so that i remember those and i really cherish and treasure those times Mm -hmm. like i remember when i hit a thousand followers i still was at my day job and we freaking partied we popped a bottle of champagne midday i was working from home and you hit a thousand followers and we were in your office in the house and we were like dancing around and it was like this wild like yeah yeah Yeah, it was a good time those were crazy times and obviously the algorithm is 
gone crazy these days. But um, back then it was just like, yeah, people were not really using it. Like obviously there was other people posting their work on Instagram, but it was very few and far between. It was mostly just like, here's my lunch or my new shoes or whatever, Mm -hmm. my baby and all those things. So anyway, I started posting on Instagram and within about five or six months of doing that and like just putting out work that I enjoyed. And then the occasional friend that would hire me for like their name cards for their wedding or like a little piece for their home or something. Um, I would post on Instagram and about six months later, I was able to quit my day job and start full time. So my question is, how did you start doing, how did you start charging people? And (laughs) at what point did you start doing that? Cause I know this is a huge Huge, issue for creative. And we talked about this with Evian, one of our guests a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago, Mm -hmm. because she does, um, sort of like a a form of sex therapy and counseling Mm -hmm. informally. Um, but she, like would do it for free until yeah. someone basically said this is sucking so much energy yeah a lot of listeners too who are like hairstylists and do like eyelash extensions mm-hmm. like anything like that for sure yes. for sure yes. so so when did you start and what was the catalyst for you starting to charge and how did you come oh upon gosh. your pricing and all that <laughs> pricing kind of thing? was a oh my gosh i, I think I it mean, is so much for women too and especially yeah, when yeah. you're doing creative oh, work you're yes. like Yes. And people also expect some things mm -hmm. to be free with creative work, which is a huge issue. That's changing, thankfully, because of the online sphere. It's slowly changing. There's still a lot of people who don't quite get that yet. And I I run into those people still and hear about it a lot. And I have a lot of like private Facebook groups for my courses for like students. And a lot of people are like, I just did this thing for a friend and I'm so discouraged because it ended up being the hardest thing I've ever done because they wanted so many revisions and they were free. And (sighs) guys don't do that to your other, to your creative friends, please. please. And don't be like, Hey, can you do like draw this for me and do that for me? No, can you do my photo shoot for free? Can you redo it? Cause her hair isn't actually that color brown (laughs) or whatever. Pay pay your friends. And I would say even like, yes, even if you're paying your friends a little bit more. Or, yeah. And even yeah, yeah. or and even if they say no, still pay them anyways. Yes. Right, right, right. Even if it's like, you know, just throwing them something. You just you gotta pay them something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So pricing, I mean, I that's a lot of why I made so, like I um ended up making so many financial mistakes in the early days was because I didn't know how to price properly. And a lot of what people, women especially, and I not to box all of us in to like something to fit in, but like a lot of women and we're getting better at this now because there's a lot more information around it. And a lot of people who are kind of standing up against it, but just think that price is based off of an emotion and something that you're like, "Mm, I don't know. I think I'll charge 150 an hour for that. Ah, Or, um, like, you know, there's no real formula to it. And there definitely is a way to develop a formula for your pricing and to stick to it and know when something is a yes and when something is a no. And I, over the years have said yes way too many times. I've taken on jobs that were free or mostly free. And would you feel it in your gut when you said yes, that Mm -hmm. you probably shouldn't Mm -hmm. be saying yes. There was a job that I said yes to. It was a wedding invitation job that, um, I said yes to, and I, (laughs) That um, ended up costing me almost $13,000 in the long run. Like it was a client that we connected on like a really deep level. Like we had a really intense, not intense. It was just like we connected really well over like tequila and autoimmune diseases. We both had autoimmune diseases. And like we had this really long initial onboarding conversation. I was like, well, I have to say yes. I feel like it's going to be intense because she's really really particular and just kind of not my style. And I don't know if I can really meet her needs. Um, but we connect so well and like, anyway, so it ended up really biting me in the ass, but, um, (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, back to pricing though. I feel like for the first probably five years of my business, it wasn't until like a year or two ago that I felt like, Oh, this is how my mindset around money is. I have been thinking about, I've been associating money with certain stereotypes that I've just kind of had along with my upbringing and just mindset around money. That's just like, we don't really talk about how much we make and it's Mm. uncomfortable and it's something to not really be proud of if you make a lot of it, but because you're talking about stereotypes, like money is the root of all evil kind of thing. Just like, like, just like you, you can't talk about money. Like I feel like our parents' generation, it was just like, always just like, don't talk about money. That's just, you never ask information. You never ask about how much money you make. And not that I'm saying just like, here's how much money I make every year totally, (laughs) or anything, but just like, um, I feel like they're for me anyway. And I could be the only person who relates to this but for me I just felt like oh we don't talk about it so then we don't associate we don't even look at the problems that we have with money Mm. so like we don't even look at like oh this is kind of bleeding your business out like this area of your business and you're eating up costs in printing or you're eating up costs because you keep making the same mistakes or whatever but we're not going to go there because we don't really talk about money we don't talk Mm. with money we don't like look into that area because it's scary and it's something that we just we don't address and we don't talk about and Maybe that was just me, but for me, I just like, I couldn't even go there because it was so overwhelming to Mm -hmm. actually look really, really hard and long at my business and how it was making money, what wasn't making money, how to cut that out and how to actually make adjustments for Mm. years. And so for the past couple of years, it's just been like every three to four months, every quarter, I have to sit down with my income and expenses and do build out an equation of what am I actually spending money on? How much money do I need to make in order to pay rent, not rent more, whatever mortgage, whatever to pay my bills, to, um, afford the lifestyle that I want, that I want. You don't need to, you know, charge what somebody in a small town in Minnesota would charge because their cost of living or their cost of their lifestyle is much less expensive than somebody in Southern California. And so Mm -hmm. like your price is your price. And that's what a lot of creatives don't really understand is like, okay, but if I go to the dry cleaner, there's a rough benchmark of prices. If I go to Trader Joe's, like they have the better prices for produce than let's say Whole Foods, but we kind of have a general idea of what they charge. Or, But with creative services, it's value and time and your experience that you're inputting into the equation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of creatives don't understand that it's not just an end product that you're charging a price for. It's your time, value, and experience. So if you're doing client services like wedding stationery or um, a graphic designer doing branding, like you are also not just bringing an end product to the table. You're also bringing value and experience. Client experience is huge and it's something that you can monetize and it's something that you have to put a dollar sign on because Somebody who just started off doing graphic design a year ago cannot charge the same amount as somebody who's been doing it for 15 years because the experience is something that isn't, you know, all over the place or like, hey, when are when are you going to be sending the next proof or right. where you con- the client's constantly checking in, in on you or you're not really sure how it's going to come out because they don't have that much experience. And so for me, it's um, getting it back to an equation and getting it back to a formula versus like just going off of my gut on price Mm -hmm. or my emotion, my emotional response on price when I get an email or something. And how did you get to that place? how did you find that information? Um, well, I've been, 
trying to, and it's very difficult as a creative person to actually become savvy in terms of like understanding tax and understanding uh, the ins and outs of money and all of that. And like the thing with me, I don't know if any of you guys can relate, but like I have never been comfortable with, um, like I'm creative and that's what I know how to do. Mm -hmm. And I can, now that I've made all these mistakes, I can, I can do a kick-ass client experience. Like I know how to, the client journey, I know how to work wonders. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Um, but knowing like tax stuff and money stuff and pricing and all of that, like it really hit hard for me when I was like, I've been working my butt off for the last five, six years. And I still feel like I am just struggling. Like Mm. I can't do this anymore. My health is declining. My relationships are declining. Like Jess and I had a pretty decently big falling out. Yeah. During this, yeah, we can talk Uh, during this time. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and thankfully we're back and all happy. We're all happy. And good. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, my, a lot of my relationships had falling outs. Like I was sick. I just couldn't like, I couldn't take it anymore. And I was like, I love my business so much more than my, the people in my life, honestly, because it was something that I like poured so much into so much time and then obviously money and all this stuff that I was like, I can't give it up. Not only would that be be humiliating, that would also just like kill me because I've, what have I worked for? Yeah. And so I I feel like I just got to a breaking point where I was like, I can't work day in and day out on client stuff anymore. I'm feeling run down. Um, and I have to find some way where I can sit back and make money kind of automated or in a way where I can make money where I'm resting or I'm playing, I'm doing whatever I want to do and I'm still making money because I can't do this anymore. I'm going to like end up in a freaking coma or something. So, um, that's when it, I started taking it seriously. I took all the online classes yeah. actually through Skillshare. I took yeah. a lot of nice, like, <laughs> nice, a lot of yeah. accounting and a lot of, um, like money type classes on Skillshare and Okay, I have so it. many more questions. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. Well, Talk speaking, about how you're going to spend your money. <laughs> yeah, how you're going to spend your money. Um, so one of my least favorite things to do is to go to the grocery store when I'm in a rush. Like, I don't mind it when I'm casually roaming the aisles, but most of the time I'm in a rush and the trip to the grocery store just frustrates me. The parking lot, the lines, my wild woman of a child in the cart. No, thank you. Um, but now I don't have to go when I'm in a rush because of Instacart. With Instacart, groceries are delivered in as fast as one hour or at a time that works with your schedule. You can order from the stores you usually shop from, local and national grocery stores like Ralph's, Sprouts, Costco, Petco, CVS, much more. Here's how it works. Get the app or go to instacart.com and order the groceries you need from your favorite local stores. Your personal shopper gathers your groceries with care, picks excellent produce just as you do, and uh, chats with you if necessary, and your groceries will arrive in as fast as one hour or at a time that works for you. I can't tell you how wonderful the shoppers are from Instacart. Most of the time when I order something, there's at least one uh, area in my cart where something's out at the store and my shopper always sends me a message immediately and offers an alternative option, which often is better than the one that I even initially asked for. Um, and if I, and then I can text back and if it's not the replacement that I would prefer, they'll find something else. Uh, it's truly excellent. Shopping could not be easier. Try Instacart and get $10 off and free delivery on your first order. To get this limited time offer, download the mobile app or go to instacart.com and enter promo code chatty at checkout. That's $10 off and free delivery on your first order today in the mobile app or at instacart.com. Don't forget, 
enter code chatty. I knew it was about time for one of these ads. We hadn't had one in forever. Yeah, I mean, I felt it too. because speaking of amazing, amazing deliveries, oh. can we talk about the delivery that shows up at my door that makes me the most happy, the most fabulous, fittest, and most fun of all boxes? It's Fab Fit Fun. Registered trademark (laughs) song by us. Fat Fun is a women's lifestyle subscription box filled with full-size premium beauty, lifestyle, fitness, home, and wellness products sent straight to your doorstep each season. This box retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. Guys... It's amazing. And the FabFitFun winter box is on sale now. Yes, it is. And every time that FabFitFun box shows up at my door, it feels like Christmas. So honestly, it's appropriate that the winter box is out it now. Is. Um, and speaking of Christmas, a FabFitFun box is the best gift. I'm telling you, every time I give one of these as gifts, it's a hit. And like Becca said, the box is valued at over $200. So you would be spreading that real Yuletide share with this box. Um, but these boxes, especially the winter ones, sell out fast. So sign up for yours today. And make sure you use coupon code chatty for $10 off your first box at Fabby, 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 www.fabbyfitfun.com. That means you will get the box valued at over $200 guys for just $39.99 with coupon code chatty for $10 off your first box at www.fabbyfitfun.com. Okay. I'm curious because I know a lot of our listeners are going to ask about this. Like the point A to point B of starting like drawing on your table to when you said you said six months later you were able to quit your full-time job yeah that was definitely what, what was very that, naive what on was my part. that oh oh the quitting <laughs> yeah yeah talk about that yeah. like first year mm-hmm, yeah. because that's the hardest for most people and a lot of people definitely. give up i think in that first year totally in the first five years i can't remember what the actual stat is but it's high percentage how many um creative entrepreneurs just throw in the towel because it's hard it's really hard you guys are business owners and so you know it's mm-hmm. your first year right yeah or we just hit our first uh, year yeah yeah congratulations thank, thank you, you. <laughs> you've made it <laughs> we did it <laughs> you did it it's hard it's really difficult mm-hmm. and now uh, as i said earlier too with the power of the internet and the wielding thumbs mm-hmm. that be with people and i'm not complaining because i'm very grateful for my audience and there's like with the one or two people that comment here and there the yeah. ugly comments there's so many wonderful blissful sure. people mm-hmm. anyway um that first year uh was really difficult for sure but i was also in just kind of this like rosy tinted uh haze well just so that it blew up in your small community so like how did it go just from you to other people yeah so i it um, got huge locally (laughs) but like how did you even start sharing like you know you know what i mean yeah yeah so okay so initially how it really started was i did the place cards for my now sister-in-law's wedding so my brother and sister-in-law's wedding Mm -hmm. john's brother got married i did some place cards because i'd always had really good handwriting because i practiced it so much so much practicing like so much cursive (laughs) and so my now sister-in-law was like hey would you do you have great handwriting would you do the place cards for my wedding and so i did them and i posted them on instagram and then like after that caitlin noop I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. One of our high school friends and church friends from the day, um, was getting married. Like it was a February. So it was like January is when I started my financial planning job and moved back to California and got the box of art supplies. February was her wedding. It was like early February. Got a weird thing with dates. Um, <laughs> I like it. I think it's, I like mapping it out in my head. Yeah, totally. Um, and so, and then in between that, 
like September is when my sister-in-law's wedding was, did the place cards. Uh-huh. And then February, Caitlin, before February, she was like, hey, I saw that you like are getting into art now and you have great handwriting or whatever and you can shade the downstrokes and mm-hmm. it looks like calligraphy. And um, uh, she was like, what do you do? I think it was like some hymns or something they were singing during yeah. their ceremony yeah. and then yeah, yeah, some yeah. other stuff. I can't remember. But her photographer was I can't remember his name, but he was well known in the wedding photography blogs uh, scene. And um, I got married nine and a half years ago, and I was on Pinterest planning the shit out of my wedding, like all this inspirational like DIY game kit over yeah, the like yeah, all totally. that crap. Yeah, her wedding was it was fun, beautiful, it's definitely beautifully curated. <laughs> beautifully, beautifully Jess curated. was in our wedding. <laughs> she was the burnt orange color. Yes, I was. Um, uh, anyway, and so why was I saying? Wait, that? did you do multiple colors for the yes. bridesmaids? One of my friends just did that, and she's a total Pinterest girl too. She's the same so kind. Pink. And I, was I will girl. say, Jenna, it was I was the she, dusty rose girl in the mm, bridal dusty party. Rose, you when, know, when Jenna f- had us all in different uh, bridesmaids, this was like again, Pinterest had just started. Yeah, and she was like, "You're all wearing different colors." And, and all, like, no, um, all of us were like, "Excuse me, <laughs> we're all supposed but to be the magic. photos." And then as soon as we all showed up, we were like, "Oh my gosh, this looks fantastic!" It was a fun time. Yeah. It was a really fun time. I was I was obsessed with Pinterest and wedding blogs when I was planning my wedding. And so the photographer that Caitlin had happened to be like a really good photographer. I just got lucky. And he got her wedding posted or featured on like Style Me Pretty or some, oh, yeah. some wedding blog. Mm-hmm. That got me probably two jobs that year. Um, and the first job I got from that wedding was, and at the same time too, my mom was taking a community college class in screen printing. She was learning Photoshop. I didn't know Photoshop. I didn't even know what it was used for. I didn't know Illustrator. I didn't know what that was used for either. Um, but I, you know, did stuff by hand. I was a very analog artist and like, I didn't know all the opportunities that could open up if you could get it digital and like prep files for print and all of that. And so anyway, I still kept posting work on Instagram and had people like little bits here and there. Like I opened an Etsy shop from like the very beginning, like Mm -hmm. January and people were like in our church or in the local community, um, purchasing my mother Teresa quotes that were hand lettered and like random, yeah. random crap. Mm-hmm. And People were like commissioning a lot too. Like yeah, we would, I would commission Jenna all the time. I'd be like, I've I painted want Boris. She's dog. painted Boris. Oh, I love. And it would be like, Hey, my grandma, it's my grandma's birthday. Will mm-hmm. you, um, write my grandfather's name? I'm going to see name. if I can like go all the way back oh, to you the can beginning go of all your the way Instagram. Back. Yeah. Cause... I mean, it'll take a while. Cause I, <laughs> I'm just going to keep going like this while we talk. So I can get back there. Cause <laughs> I want to see where it all started. Yeah. No, for yeah. anybody listening to who's like an artist or wants to be a creative business owner, scroll really. I do encourage you to do that because my work was not good and mm. when I first started. It was not good at all. Like, I mean, I mean, to the unexperienced we naked were like, eye, wow, this is like, fantastic. It's ten percent or a step or two steps ahead of somebody who's like not a watercolorist. Yeah, but that's it. Like, I'm not a like I'm not a friggin. I can't think of names right now, but I'm not, you know, a Van Gogh or whatever. Like I was not good at art in the beginning. It was just like, whatever. Anyway, I refined my skills over time while I was accepting money from paying folks. Um, (laughs) but yeah. And so in, in between that time of like being posted on the wedding blog, that was like a couple months after her wedding or whatever in February, I had these random commissions and random Etsy sale jobs. And here's the thing too, is like, I wasn't, I was by no means raking in dough whatsoever. I had, 
Um, no savings built up when I quit my job. We John was working at CarMax. So why did you quit it? You're exactly. just like I'm gonna. That's why. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I was just. I was, we literally no, like it was so wild. When I think back, like she was like, I think. I think I'm going to quit. And I was like, yeah, girl, you quit. And we were like, I mean, we were just yeah. so naive. The, and and it, this was hit, like her husband and Evan. None of us had like steady paying the jobs. Hopefulness, you and know? we just yeah. would we'd get like, together every night now. and play cards make money somehow. and drink and be like, let's just all quit our jobs. And it was mm-hmm. a beautiful time. Mm-hmm. But it was so, a really beautiful time. It's so though. brave because some this is the, the other half of the problem where some people are doing fantastic creative work that they can very easily begin to profit from but they won't make the leap from the mm-hmm. the steady job to so you know in a way it's sort of like a blessing and a curse that you were yes. able to make that leap so early on mm-hmm. and be confident in yes. doing that and i'm really grateful for that for a lot of reasons and back to that too though is like so a lot of creatives have that intimidation or that fear and that's because they have a fear obviously of failure but also they have they deal with perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And so like, you can never uh, actually be perfect. You, right. They're you like, I'm not to, at the place I want to right, be yet. Or I don't going, have my yeah. marketing system dialed or I don't have a website or a, how do I even mm. accept payments and send invoices and right, stuff like yeah. that. And that's all stuff that I had to learn kind of the hard way. And I'm really grateful for, cause now I, you know, through my online classes, I love showing people the entire system of how a creative business Which, works. Which by the way, plug now. Cause I'm sure there's going to be some people <laughs> that are like, how to, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So for licensing, I do a lot of licensing. I work with manufacturers on like office supplies, or I just did a licensing program for a baby blanket company. And then I have one that's like a baby mat company or whatever. It's, um, basically just brand collaboration and I provide, provide the artwork and the design. And then the manufacturer actually does all of the purchasing the product, manufacturing the product. So I don't have that overhead. A lot of artists fall in this trap of, and it works for some, but a lot of artists fall in this trap of, okay, so here's ways to make money. I need to have products. I need to have prints. And then they get stuck in the trap of like, I have all this overhead. I I need an inventory. Where am I going to store it? I'm making like a couple sales a month. Sure. That's great. But I had to order so much ahead of time. How much do I have to save up in order Mm -hmm. to even get the inventory? Right. Because a lot of print shops, you get like a much better deal on your price the larger amount you order or whatever and so that overhead just kills a lot of creative businesses Mm. and that's not the only way to make money you can make passive income as an artist and I got stuck in that trap a lot and I listed prints in my shop and sold five with an audience of over a hundred thousand followers like that is soul it's terrible like you feel like you've done something wrong and then you have this printing invoice to pay that you're not making money off of the product mm-hmm. that you you, mm-hmm. you printed. So you have to pay it out of pocket. And I don't know, for me, um, teaching other artists how to actually scale and monetize their creative skills in a way that lets them enjoy their family more, lets them have more freedom with their life and helps them to have the confidence to not only do their art skills better, but strategy just improves and helps you set or put your best foot forward. And so a lot of artists or creatives are really intimidated by things like marketing and email lists and all the backend stuff of actually having a business. And the thing is, it, it is, it can help you. It can mm-hmm. actually, if you know that stuff and you know how it works, or you, you at least outsource it to somebody, if you're able to, like, it will just allow you to put your best work forward because if Mm. you're if you're spending the time trying to figure it out on your own and it's really not your thing or you're just like uh I don't get how to be on social media or you know nobody can scale or nobody can gain a following these days anymore unless you go on the bachelor or something and just whatever it's like the thing is if you are able to 
get marketing down, you are able to only take on the work that you enjoy and only say yes to the projects that you want to say mm-hmm. yes to. And that actually bring you happiness and our work is work that you want to be doing. And you're Marie so, Kondoing your, your there you go. work. <laughs> Doesn't there it just go. be your house? I like that. I love that. <laughs> so yeah. Um, just whether, you know, people are wanting to get into licensing or passive income. Licensing is a really confusing term for most people. And it really just means brand collaboration. Like influencers sure. are doing it too. Like people getting clothing lines. Yeah. Um, collaborating with other brands, putting their name or their work on another person's product um, is all within the umbrella of licensing. And Also, I was just thinking, you know, you're talking about people being like, I can't start going back to what you're saying a little earlier about perfectionism and like, I can't start until I like get my website. I can't start. And the thing is, sometimes if you don't start, you're never actually going to do that. You're waiting mm-hmm. for the perfect time for you to like figure all of that out. Mm-hmm. And it's not until you put yourself in the position where you, yeah, because I'm sure mm-hmm. once you quit your job, then you're like, fuck Uh Uh (laughs) now I have to make this work yes yes Uh, yeah so when I quit my job that was like the reason why I quit my job was honestly naivete Mm -hmm. extreme like 23 bliss there probably could, some friends encouraging friends a little encouragement too, too aggressively. You got this, girl. You're In a killing way, it. Yeah. And my husband. We're going to spend every day together now because I work from home. You're going to work great. from home. This yes. is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Selfish reasons. Yeah, exactly. Um, and John, my husband, bless him. He's very, very supportive, which is so interesting to me because he was, we were going down to just his income, which was not a steady, stable, good substantial income it was he was working off commission at a used car sales place mm-hmm. carmax um not an ad for carmax Carmax <laughs> is great though anyway love carmax actually. um but yeah so we really um learned the hard way i remember multiple times like how how are we going to pay for rent mm-hmm. i don't know how we're going to pay for rent there was this one time we were at a friend's wedding in dallas And we were going down to the bar in the hotel to meet up with friends that we hadn't seen since college for a few years, whatever. And we're like, okay, we need to look at our bank account because I just paid this printing invoice and it was a few thousand dollars and my client hasn't paid me for that job yet. And so I'm out the money right now. And it was all in our personal bank Mm. account at the time because naive 23 year old didn't set up a business bank account which is one of the first steps you should do if you're wanting to start a business yeah we have to do that right now <laughs> we have an llc that doesn't have a business bank account oh, snap yeah yeah gotta get has that. to do that fast yeah. <laughs> tax laws coming after no yeah. not to scare you you'll be fine um uh but yeah so we didn't have a business or we didn't have it separate and so we felt all of the blows personally we felt mm-hmm. all of those blows and like didn't actually know what, how much money was coming in and coming out for years and years. And so we were in Dallas and like, just wanting to catch up with friends, have a drink or two, or maybe, you know, just one because we're frugal. And then we looked at our bank account and it was like, okay, we have $700. Oh shit. It's the first (laughs) rent is going to be automatically withdrawn from our Mm -hmm. account. And it's $1,300 and we have $700 and we're in Dallas on vacation and how are we going to go out with all these people? Like we, we don't live here. We can, we don't have a kitchen. We're at a hotel. Like, how are we going to do this? And so, um, thankfully oh, we had a credit card. I don't know if I can really say that. Cause I'm not all, I'm not for getting yourself in debt unless you can obviously pay it off. Um, quickly, quickly, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> quickly. And, um, 
so anyway, we ended up having to use the credit card and I'm, we've both like, thankfully we've been incredibly blessed with no school debt. Um, we've never been in massive amounts of debt where it's just looming over you and you lose sleep over it. Like we've been able to pay things off. And thankfully when we got home, I booked an extra job or whatever it was. And we were able to pay off that debt and then also pay for rent and all of that. But, um, Anyway, that's um, also a side note for business stuff. Before you start your business, you probably want to make sure you're out of any other kind of debt before. Yes. I mean, going yeah, there's there's never an ideal time. You can uh-huh. always go around and around and around in circles with I don't have my debt paid off or I don't well, have not, a website. I'm not about, yeah, yeah. I, I actually didn't mean student debt or like mortgage. I was thinking mm-hmm. more like credit card debt and that oh, kind sure. of thing. You're going to want to like get at least some of your finances well, squared th- away. Yeah, and that's the thing yeah. too. A lot of people don't realize, especially me when I was first starting my businesses business is expensive Yeah, to start up. You have to, and thankfully online businesses, there's less of a startup fee. Like I basically just had to pay for my desktop and a desk to paint on instead of my kitchen table. And there are like a couple other things. I found your photos. Oh, you did? 20, I got all the way back to 2012. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Made it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I thankfully didn't have that much upfront investment to start my business and I could kind of piece things along the way. Like I didn't get a desktop until probably two years in I was working on, well, first of all, my first wedding invitation job I said yes to, uh, I printed at Kinko's and like, I didn't have a scanner. It was, it was so shysty and just (laughs) janky. They paid me, but it was again, because my experience was so low, I was charging them pennies. And Mm -hmm. so that kind of is where the partnership makes sense because they're getting what they pay for. But if I'm providing that type of product, you know, oh, I printed this at Kinko's on bright white, you know, 70 pound paper for a wedding invitation when people's like standards for wedding invitations now are like thick letterpress, cotton paper, like all this, whatever, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, you know, providing them with an end product that was very subpar, then I couldn't charge the dollars I was charging five years in to mm-hmm. doing it because my experience and knowledge in the industry was much, thankfully, obviously. Um, more in depth. Uh, but yeah, so that first year was expensive. It was very, um, taxing on my body the first few years actually. And, um, yeah, this is a whole nother topic, but I basically, because of the amount of hours that I was spending building my business and I feel like as I was like this in high school, I was, I'm very competitive, um, incredibly competitive. Me too. Especially with my own Everything self. Everything has to be a competition. <laughs> has to be a competition. Uh-huh. And the reason why I don't play board games is because I'm not good in them. I'm not going to play something I'm not good at. Oh, me neither. Anyway. I don't go bowling anymore because I will be, I will get so furious. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. This is stressful and not Waste fun for me. Waste of Yeah, Waste exactly. If I'm not winning, why the hell would I play? <laughs> I'd rather be anywhere else. Oh um, yeah, why why was I saying that? Yeah, you're competitive. I'm oh, competitive. competitive. So competitive. Oh, oh, so even with myself and so mm. like and I feel like a lot of people starting their businesses, they say yes to too much. They don't they underestimate or yeah, they overestimate how much time they actually have. Underestimate? Underest underestimate. Whatever. Um they think they'll have all this time and then especially when you're working with clients, like there's a lot of back and forth that you're not really um, putting into the equation of your time and investing your time. Um, and then also just like 
marketing piece, social media, you have to, when you're a small business owner, you have to be all things to all people. So Mm -hmm. you're the client experience HR, you're the tax person, you're the one running all the errands to the bank account, setting up your business bank account. You're, you know, the one answering DMs and emails. Um, You're the assistant, you're all of the things. And you're also supposed to, at the end of the day, be doing the thing that you started the business in the first mm-hmm. place for, which is the creative part or, you know, for you guys doing the actual recording of the podcast. And so for me, I was just not comfortable with hiring um, and or outsourcing things like administrative or even yeah. even looking for an intern. Not that I'm like saying just get a free intern, but, um, you know, even having somebody to come in and like who wants to start their own creative business or wants to start their own podcast or whatever and being an intern just a few hours a week or a few hours a month and like helping you package and ship orders or do whatever it might be. Um, just because I, I was always, and this is back to the competitive, competitive part is like, I was so like close, closed fist, like white knuckled around, like, Mm. this is my business. I do all things. And because I was so controlling and like, I can do it. I can. Yeah. And it's like cleaning, you know, you're like, no one's going to clean like I clean. Mm -hmm. Like no one's going to do it the way that I want it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it took me a really long time to get comfortable with saying I need help. And as new moms, we know and moms, we know that very well in that realm as well. Um, but like asking for help and, and realizing that I am not good at the admin part. Maybe I should step back and let somebody else do that. And not every business owner is able to get to that place. And I was, I will say for the first couple of years of having an employee, paying myself less than my employee. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, because yeah. again, learning yeah. and, in order to grow the business, you need to let go of the reins on some things and saying, I'm going to free up 10 hours a week of my time on all the admin stuff so that I can get those 10 hours back and spend half of it with my family because I'm missing out on a lot of stuff or friends and half of it to projects that I've been always wanting to do, but I haven't had time because I've been doing 10 hours extra of this or that. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so that was really difficult for me and for a couple of years because I didn't actually, um, with that free time, I didn't actually do anything productive with it. I mean, it was definitely productive, but it wasn't in ways to actually scale and grow, grow my business to what it is now. Um, so for a couple of years, I was still trying to figure out, okay, now that I have 15 or 20 or 30, cause they worked up my, uh, um, assistant at the time worked up to full time. Um, now that I have all these hours back, I was just taking on more and more wedding jobs, Ah. more and more invitation jobs. And that's not what I wanted to do. Like I just started doing that because friends asked me to do it. And around what year was this? 2015 probably. Um, and I'd also been like teaching workshops, um, for probably since 2013 or 14 teaching creative workshops, like watercolor workshops and calligraphy workshops. And that helped to really grow my, on uh, my Instagram because people, love gramming their creative afternoons and like love storing that they're at workshops or whatever. And And watercoloring looks Mm -hmm. so dreamy. It does. It looks good on the gram. It's very satisfying. Yeah. Anyway. 
So, but for like around 2015, I was like, I need to, I need more time to do these things. And I wasn't actually putting like, it wasn't an effective use of my time. Was this when your relationships and everything were kind of like falling by the wayside? Yes, Mm -hmm. they were. Can you talk a little bit about that? I sure can. Should Um, we hold hands when we do it? (laughs) We're kind of far apart. (laughs) Um, Yeah, 2015. And that's when Ember was born, right? Or 16? Uh, 2015. So we were going through, both of us were going through very different, but very Mm. intense times. Huge life changes. Huge life changes. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a good Mm -hmm. way of putting it. So she was the only friend, the only person in our sphere that was becoming a mom, right? (sighs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously that's incredibly difficult and And you were the only one who had your own business out of the friend group. Yeah. Or, yeah. Mm -hmm. And- I'm looking again and I'm seeing some photos of you guys. Okay, of I'm gonna get my people are gonna think I'm just so being much. rude. I'm just on my phone, like, mm-hmm, as you're talking. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of old posts. Of yeah, me. there's yes. a lot of Jessica on my feed. Very far back. Um, yeah, so I we were both going through incredibly like huge transformational times mm-hmm. in our lives and both in different ways isolating times. Mm-hmm. And so like becoming a new mom and especially with becoming a new mom with no friends as a support or like somebody to like, just be like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. Or this happened or what, whatever. Um, or someone to be like, I get it. I can't go either because they have to nap. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like (laughs) which kid, (laughs) which I think back about, uh, how I was with Jess in 2015 and being like, you should just come over. Cause I didn't have a car at the same time and whatever, whatever. Um, John, whatever. Um, we didn't have a car <laughs> and thinking back on being like, you should totally pack up the kid and just like, exactly. come and it's like whatever. And she was 20 minutes, 30 minutes dry. You were in orange. I was in Costa Mesa, yeah. whatever, 20, 30 minutes. I was like, but I invite her over all the time and she just never comes. So like what she, you know, whatever. Right. And I would make up assumptions about her and like, and then vice versa. We're now all of a sudden now running a business um, that I had no concept of that. Mm. I was always just kind of like, well, Jenna owns her own business. So like she can make her own time instead of, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, if she wants to come over, (laughs) she can make time instead of realizing, Oh, she has 10 times more to do than someone else. about being self-employed is like, you can go on vacation. (laughs) You can go on vacation whenever you want. You can hang out with people wherever you want. Exactly. Exactly. All you do is way worse. It was such, it's such like a crazy, that specific time is such a crazy, moment and also just for anyone listening especially with your girlfriends and I feel like this was like why I was so passionate in on Tuesday's episode about like spend time with your girlfriends like with the relationship is that it is so important to everyone listening to know that like when you're feeling frustrated at a friend because of maybe the place that they are in their life, like there is a high likelihood that you may eventually hit that point in your life and you will understand. So be patient with each other, love each other. And more than anything, fucking communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's where we had a miss is that both Jenna and I weren't, Mm. I guess, humble enough Mm -hmm. to kind of call the other person and say like, I'm literally barely alive right now. Mm -hmm. We weren't humble enough to be like, I'm like, I'm drowning in this motherhood thing and I don't know how I'm doing it. And you're like, I'm panicking with my work. I have no time. Like we just weren't able to kind of look at each other and be very like, I can't do it right now. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you expect other people to just get it too. Exactly. Do you not understand what I'm going through? Like, do you not, can you not relate? And a lot Mm -hmm. of times, no, the other person can't relate. Well, the thing with motherhood too, Exactly. is like there's only so much that without 
becoming a mom that you can actually know. And so to give Jess credit, like she probably tried to tell me or like, or whatever it might be. And like, you just can't understand. Like maybe that's just me. I think it's the same thing with being self-employed. Like I look back on, I look Mm -hmm. back on my jobs where I was doing a nine to five and I, I'm sure a lot of people in that position are like, Oh yeah, I'm sure it's so hard, but I miss being able to leave my work when I went, when I went home Mm -hmm. and I know what hours I'm working and I can work in when I'm going to hang out with people Mm -hmm. around that and like, boom. And then, but then that being said too, um, I know like Evan now is more in like a position right now where he's has a more regular work schedule and I know Gray's like doing, I mean, he's running, he owns his, so it's different, but, but then still there's, then there's shit that you forget about that too. That's super stressful because there's zero freedom and whatever. And that's kind of the thing where it's like, we're all just kind of trying to make it and trying to figure it out Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we'll all go through like ups and downs in life. But I know like when you just said a little bit earlier that you, um, like didn't want, you know, you're like, I can't have anyone see me sweat kind of Mm -hmm. like, I know that's kind of how I felt as a mom as well. And there wasn't that uh, ability to like really be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and be like, I, am so stressed and I love you, but like, I can't give you anything right now. Mm -hmm. And so if you are someone who is like, has, is having a moment with like a friendship or a relationship or whatever, it's like to communicate, you know, cause work motherhood, all these things, it's like, it's so taxing, but Mm -hmm. to be able to look at somebody and be like, I can barely take care of myself right now. I can give you nothing. I know that's like a hard thing to say to someone. You're going to have to wait this one out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it's like if someone's a true friend, they will understand. Absolutely. They will understand. And we finally were able to look at each other years down the road and mm-hmm. be like, hey, I literally like wasn't even able to function and I could barely take care of myself. And I'm yeah. so sorry that I couldn't tell you that. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. is hard what you're saying. It's true. I think there are certain things about motherhood you're never going to. You, you can't understand until you go mm-hmm. through it unless you've, you've worked in childcare and that sort of thing. Cause even telling a friend, you know what? She's got her nap at one and we had a rough <laughs> night last night and we're doing a new yeah, schedule with compute. eating. The person's just like, okay, so do it here. Yeah, bring just nap. nap bring you like, this, nap them on the couch. They can fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you no. need a, like you need in a pump. I don't yeah. know. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's certain things unless you're like around children and you've had experience. Like even if you're explaining in detail what's going mm-hmm. on, someone's just going to be like, okay, and why is mm-hmm. this inhibiting yeah. your life? Well, mm-hmm. the thing too with both our scenarios, and then I've also just learning more about myself over the years, learning more about my relationships with my husband, my relationship with friends, and my relationship to my business yeah. is like the more I age, the more I grow, whatever the less I actually know. And like, I thought I knew so much when I was 23, 24, 25 and through all of our hiccups and, you know, rough times as friends. And like, Jess is somebody who we've been so close over, I mean, so many years Mm -hmm. and we've seen so much of each other's ups and downs we've seen and we've written songs together. Like we've (laughs) seen it all. And like, we're willing to just like, you know, because I'm too busy or, um, because I can't communicate and I can't actually like know what's going on in my heart and I'm not willing to sit with it Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. actually know what's going on in my heart and be able to communicate to that other person, to another person. I'm just going to get hard and stubborn and, you know, in my own zone of Mm -hmm. like, I'm just frustrated that she isn't seeing where I'm at or, you know, vice versa, whatever. And just like, um, yeah, I mean, 
to your point of like being a business owner, you don't quit your business or you don't quit your day job to work 24 seven. And so there was, there was a part in, it was around 2015, 2016, where all literally my friends were dropping like flies, like, you know, wasn't in weddings that I probably should have been in because of me, because I wasn't spending time with people. I was having to say no to the birthday parties or decline going out and meeting for coffee because I was too busy. I wasn't, you know, a good steward of my time. I was just like in terror all of the time that it could just crumble and fall apart. And that's because I was basically, if I pull away from my business, my business falls apart completely. And so I, like I was saying earlier, like I just got to this point where I can't do this anymore. I'm lonely. I, my marriage is basically just like, hi, how are you? And that's it. It's very surfacey. It's very cold and I'm irritable. I'm an angry person. I don't sleep well. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the list could go, go on. Like, honestly, I was just a terrible person to be around. And so I just kind of broke down and was like, there has to be a way where I can keep this thing that I love and that I've built, but I can also have a life that's free, more, has more freedom, has more fun, has relationships, has connections Mm -hmm. and those beautiful things that we're all working for anyway. Like that's why we're here, right? Mm -hmm. We're not here to work. We're not human doings We're human beings. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got to a point where I was like, there has to be something that I can find out or I can do, I can like make this more passive somehow. And so anyway, for me, it just like, that was the turning point, 2015, 16 time. And then it just kind of grew to a point where I'm like, I can't believe I was focused, so focused on how I need to spend more time and how I need to ignore all of this life stuff Mm. because my business is more important than the opposite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, I always will never forget being at my, the bedside of my grandfather when he passed and he was like a slang businessman who came over from Switzerland during world war two and started this business and became like a multimillionaire and put everything into his business and spent probably too much time there. And he like, like, you know, hours before he died had us all like gathered around and he held my hand and he told me, it's just like, you and he pointed to like the other members of my family and you guys are what matter to me. And I wish I would have spent more time with you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, not to say don't start that business because it's so incredible when you're able to have a business that you're doing something you're good at, that you're passionate about, that you love, like with every part of your being, but also then, yeah, not to lose sight Mm -hmm. of like, what really matters. Yeah, I mean, we have to make money to survive. We have but to. But also, what's your focus? Is it mm-hmm. making the most money possible or is it being able to do something creative and sustain yourself and sustain your energy and mm-hmm. happiness yeah. and your pay your bills all at the same you time? You got to keep that spice of life. Balance. Right. And that's Balance. Balance. Life. Yeah. Um, well, I am all smiles after having been able to talk with my girl Jenna today. And um, speaking of smiles, let's talk brighter, straighter teeth with Candid. Candid's aligners can help straighten your teeth faster and cheaper than traditional wire braces. Treatment takes just six months on average and costs 65% less. And hi, 65% less? Standard braces are expensive and Candid is the sleeker and better deal. 
So an experienced orthodontist who is licensed in your state creates a custom treatment plan after you send in molds from your home. So they show you a 3D preview so you can see how your teeth will look after you're done, which is extremely exciting. And also, Candid's aligners are comfortable, removable, and completely invisible. Don't you worry. There's no hassle of going to an orthodontist's office because they ship your aligners directly to you. Candid makes it so easy. I've had such a great experience with them, and my teeth are getting all sorts of straightened since I haven't worn my retainers for years. So thank you, Candid. Love you. Uh, Plus, in this season of giving, Candid donates $25 with each aligner purchase to Smile Train, which brings uh, safe, 100% free cleft lip and palate treatment to children around the globe. Um, Smile Train is an amazing organization. So uh, give yourself the gift of Candid. Go to Candid co that's candid co.com slash chatty and use code chatty to get $75 off that's candidco.com slash chatty code chatty for $75 off candidco.com slash chatty code chatty $25 per per aligner that's great that's like an actually substantial amount donating from from each purchase it's a lot it's one of the high the highest i've seen in regards to like donating to that's an organization yeah of like donates a portion it's 0.5 percent exactly 25 dollars yeah it's awesome we love you cool bless bless um so after after we had the crumbling of 2015 2016 journey to self-care exactly tell us now where are you at I mean, I'm, I mean, the past like two years has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. So to me, it got to a point, like I said, where I was at a complete loss of what to do. I was breaking in all areas of mm-hmm. life. I uh, ended up being diagnosed with fibromyalgia and um, whatnot. Like I couldn't actually sit down for more than 40 minutes without basically what feels like sandpaper on your legs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it got to this point health wise, relationship wise, like I said already, like where I just became, I need to figure this out. I can't do this anymore. And I understand not everybody has the luxury of just being able to pivot and, um, just quit your job job. (laughs) or just like, just just start making (laughs) passive money. Just happen. Just make it happen. Yes. Um, and so I get that. And thankfully I had this audience that grew organically over the last five years at this point and now eight years, but five years at this point, um, because it started off as me posting place cards for my sister-in-law's wedding to people just snowballing and then whatever. And back then a lot of people were resharing wedding stuff. And so it really helped in workshops, helped, um, grow my audience, um, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And, um, I started taking my impact more seriously because at this point people were like, Oh, creative careers are obtainable and something that I can do without having to go to art school and come out in Mm -hmm. debt. Or, um, you can be an artist and like do it full time, stuff like that. And so people were asking me, you know, like, how do I do what you do basically? And where do you start and all that? So I started, um, teaching online classes and actually like, showing people the ins and outs of client experience, the ins and outs of how to set up your files for print properly. So you don't, you don't have, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars worth of printing mistakes that you have to eat, um, how to register your business, how to file your taxes properly, stuff like that, where I learned it the hard way. I learned it through Google. I say all the time I have like three PhDs in Google on very (laughs) different things, but, um, and, because of that, I've learned a lot and I can teach it, but also through my mistakes that I've made in my experience and also the people that have come alongside my own business, um, I'm able to 
turn that around because my thing is I just want to impact people's lives. I want to scale that impact. So it's not just like, okay, there's a few people that can take these classes. I want to be able to scale that impact so that people don't have that fear of like, what if I just, or that regret of like, I just got this stable job because I had that fear of failure or fear of starting. And now I'm in this job that I hate and Mm -hmm. I hate, I don't have time for anything else. I'm a mom now. And like, I don't have time to start things. And I never started that. I never went after that creative endeavor or that thing that I was really passionate about because Mm -hmm. I was afraid or insecure. And, um, now we have so much at our fingertips, um, in terms of information and knowledge and like online, online classes, the online class industry is huge and booming and it's not going anywhere. Um, and so I discovered, and Jess has actually taken one of my workshops, my actual like painting workshops. So fun. Um, so fun. Okay. <laughs> Such a fun experience. But, um, yeah, I don't teach those anymore because, um, they're just not what I'm passionate about. What I'm passionate about is actually impacting creatives lives. And I have a huge, huge over the years I've discovered. I love teaching. Mm-hmm. I love teaching watercolor. I love teaching oh, calligraphy. Awesome. Um, and I love teaching business. And so, um, just started noticing through the focus group that is my Instagram and audience on Instagram. (laughs) And if you don't have an audience on Instagram, go look at your competitors. What are in their comment section? What do people ask? What are they looking for? Mm. What answers, like even for people with a podcast, like what are other people in their comment sections on podcasts what are they asking that could be a topic or figure out some light figure out lightroom get some presets mm-hmm. so that you've got consistent work find out what it is about other accounts that mm-hmm. blow them up like right. even aside from just because you might think like well i'm not as good as them but like mm-hmm. what else do they have like a consistent kind mm-hmm. of feed like what, what yeah you know how exactly. do they interact with their followers like there's so much info mm-hmm. you can glean if you do a little study totally. a little mm-hmm. research and a lot mm-hmm. of people and i was like this for years on instagram too and then i started noticing like oh, Instagram's changing a lot, engagement's dipping, whatever is like the more, obviously Instagram is a business and they're wanting a community where people are on their app for as long as possible. That's how they make money. That's their business model. And so how do I, as a user of Instagram and as a platform where people are coming, how do I get more of my following to stay on my profile for longer? Mm. And so actually asking my community questions and thinking of them in terms of a community instead of a vanity metric under my name. It's not just a number. It's actual people with actual lives and interests. Who care about your profile. And they're they're the ones who hit follow. And so why are they following me in the first place? what are they like? Mm-hmm. And how are they engaging with your mm-hmm. work? You know, and how, yeah. Cause and someone treating, may have, you, you talk about someone mm-hmm. who may have 300 something thousand follow followers, but what, what is that? How's that converting to their actual exactly. business? That's my mm-hmm. thing too, is like, okay, you have 180,000 followers means nothing to me. Like if you have 20,000 followers, 10,000 followers, and you are in the trenches with those people, you're treating every comment like it's a conversation and you are getting to know your people. Those are going to be trusted and valuable customers. I don't care what you promote. I don't care if you're an affiliate for this or that, or you have sponsored or whatever it is. If you go to sell, they value you because they know, like, and trust you. And they know you kind of on a friend level because you're Mm -hmm. trying to get to know them. And so it doesn't matter if you have 300 followers, if you treat those 300 followers, like, their treasure because they are, they've decided to follow you. And you might say, okay, well, the 300 are my cousins, my parents, my boyfriend, like 
it's, you know, it's just going to grow and grow the more you engage because that's what's Instagram, Instagram's business model with the algorithm is just like the more engagement, the more higher up on the algorithm you're going to get anyway. So just treat every bit of engagement, like comment, DM, et cetera, like it is going to eventually make you money. Yeah. Um, and also just remember Instagram isn't just about being a clout fest. If you're a creative mm-hmm. or it's not about getting 15,000 no. likes on your photo, it's about converting. And so mm-hmm. that's why I'm so glad they're hiding likes this week or they're going to start testing mm-hmm. it out. In really? The US. Yeah. yeah. Officially this week. Yeah. So anyway, there's a, that's a whole other topic, but, um, how did we even start talking about Instagram? What you, what you are, what you have converted your oh. business into. Yeah. So I, yeah just more passive income. And the thing with my point about bringing up, bringing up Instagram is somebody who is committed to you on a platform like Instagram, obviously it's a highlight reel. It's a place where you can share behind the scenes and you can share parts of your business. You can have like things that you're promoting or whatever. But if somebody is, um, if you're able to get on that level of engagement and actually cultivating community and relationships with people who are following you because they have spent valuable time in your life or on your platform. Um, just knowing how you can give back to that audience, not only makes you as the provider or the business owner really, really happy because you're providing an impact. You're not just like, here's a product or here's a Mm -hmm. thing that I do. And it's not really actually doing anything. Not that I'm saying you guys do that at all, but just like, there's a lot of people out there who are just like, you know, not really intentional about what they share Mm -hmm. or not really intentional about, what they're doing is just like, I don't know, it's making me money or I don't know. I have to say yes to it because I have to pay the bills. Um, but I want it. I'd like, for me, it came to a point where I was like, I need to get deeper with my audience so that I can provide a deeper impact and not have to spend so much time just like doing things for myself. Like working client to client was just for myself. It wasn't for actually, you know, you, cultivating this audience and actually providing an impact in their lives. And so building and growing an email list was a huge thing for me. And, um, I became obsessed, I'm telling you obsessed with things, um, like email list marketing and, um, marketing in general and strategy and all of that. Do you ever, have you ever followed Jenna Kutcher mm-hmm. on Instagram? Cause she always talks about that. She's like, my email list is that if everything else falls apart, I have my email yeah, list. She's, she's guru. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. She's, she's impact, impacted my life a lot, um, through different things. Um, but yeah, she and Amy Porterfield mm. are online marketing guru, whatever. Um, and so I became obsessed with their podcast, their, and then just reading a ton, um, online about it and just kind of bootstrapping. And that's another thing that I would like made so many mistakes on. I've always had an email list, but I never really treated it, um, like you should technically should be like, I would just like every once in a while pop in their email and be like, Hey, I'm teaching a workshop in this city or whatever, like come join. Or I just listed items in my shop. And instead of, um, you know, 10% of my time focusing on selling or promoting something and 90% of it being storytelling and, um, Mm. giving them stories of my successes, my failures, and here's what worked for me. Here's what didn't and how it can impact your life and that kind of thing. Cause then you like, you're popping up in these people's inboxes. Like that's a very valuable, very valuable place. Mm -hmm. Like email has no algorithm and it's also just like something that you really have to love that person to hit subscribe. Yeah. It's personal. It's very personal. And so, um, yeah, I have been treating my email list subscribers, um, more on like, I value your time and your inbox 
level. And anyway, over the last few years, it's just been a lot of like, what email marketing platform is good? That one sucks. That one's really expensive. And just like trying to figure it out, bootstrappy and whatnot. And it's helped me scale my business a lot, though. It sounds crazy. Email yeah. is not dead for sure. So what what finally, what are your what are your classes that you're offering right now? Like the actual specific uh, uh yeah, workshops, like the names of them and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you offer your Instagram, all that kind of stuff? How can sure. people just find you on everything? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm Jenna Rainey on Instagram and my website is also Jenna Rainey. Um, and I currently, I offer products through licensing. So there's various things coming out in the next couple of years that people can purchase like office supplies or whatever. And then I also have, um, if you want to learn watercolor, calligraphy, design, all that kind of stuff, I have a YouTube channel that is just generating channel. Yes. It's very lovely. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Very streamlined. <laughs> um, oh, was it you actually doing it? Cause I love mm-hmm. watching those with the music. Oh, it's very relaxing. Yeah, very, Even very if I'm not so. doing it, I just put it on and just yes. like, kind of like Zen out to it. Yeah. Yeah. John, my husband is actually my video YouTube dude. He does a great job. The dad. Anyway. Um, yeah. So YouTube. And then I have a couple, I have, I've been teaching online classes since like 2014 or something. And they're all like random calligraphy or watercolor ones. And then I just launched, um, a series of business focused for creatives. So there's pen to press, which is all for people wanting to get into paper products. So greeting cards, wedding stationery, all that kind of stuff, all the ins and outs of the actual process to designing it. And then the client experience and the back end stuff. And Brand Plus Brand is a course that I just came out with with my licensing agent, Julie, who is insanely insane. She's crazy. She's very talented, very knowledgeable, um, very badass, um, New Yorker chick. She's amazing. And we go through the entire licensing business model, um, how to set up your contracts, pricing, um, royalty rates, commissions, um, building your audience, and working with manufacturers, how to create and design a repeat pattern, stuff like that. That is all things you'd run into if you wanted to collaborate with brands or come out with products if you're a creative and you don't want all that overhead <laughs> of starting and opening a shop yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that's what I do. And so I use my email list um, as a way to promote those things, but mostly as a way to, you can take all of this information that I have in my email list and start your own thing and you could be good. But if you want like the actual, like here's everything and you don't want like the years that you'd have to put into it to figure it out on your own or the blood, sweat and tears and all of that, um, then it's packaged in a pretty little course. And you have books. And I have books. Yes. Some beautiful books for anyone who wants to learn Everyday watercolor. Everyday watercolor. Awesome. Number one on Amazon. Hmm. Bestseller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then your second one. Books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love your books. Those are also such great like Christmas presents too. Yes. They're uh-huh. gorgeous coffee table. Like my goodness. Oh. Thanks love. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so guys. Appreciate this, lovely. It. this is just like packed full of like good information for people who are interested in like wanting to start anything on their own. Yeah. And That's also so to just like a great reminder, like Becca, you were saying, um, just that it's not necessarily all about the money and just to keep that perspective, like whatever you're doing, just take care of yourself. But 
it is at the same time because you got to make sure you're valuing yourself. Oh it's no, this, it's this double sided. I think that was like the takeaway from all this is this this coin yeah. that you, you have be that. to have the perfect balance yeah. between valuing your time mm-hmm. and your work, but you also not impic- remembering yeah. why you did it in the first no, place. No, you got to be yeah. that ba- that badass bitch who's going in and make sure you're getting your coin, but at yeah. the same time, like take care of your brain and your heart mm-hmm. and your family and you all can't that. Have, mm-hmm. You can't impact people's life if you're yourself just frazzled and burnt. So. Take care of you. Take care of you. Make the money. Take care of you. Love yourself. Mm. <laughs> oh, love it. All, all right. Well, things. Brads, we'll put all of your info and in, our uh, Jenna's info in the episode notes. You'll be able to find all of that. And uh, yeah. Thanks so much, Jenna. Thanks, Jenna. Thank and let's guys. all go out and build those businesses, Brads. <laughs> business. Hashtag business Brads. Hashtag business Brads. Yes. <laughs> oh, God, actually. All right. Chat soon. Chat soon. Bye. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.